Welcome to Momentum Church. My name is Brantley Johnson. I'm the executive pastor here at Momentum Church, and we are in this series called Above the Line. And I need some people that want to pretend to be Pentecostal this morning and talk with me a little bit. If you're ready for a sermon this morning, I need you to say, whoop, whoop. Okay, now that's the, that's the level of intensity I expect out of everybody for the rest of this sermon with your amens, uh-huh, oh yeah, all of that. That's right. Yeah. So we're in this series called Above the Line, which is all about dealing with your mindset on different issues, whether that's spiritual issues or physical issues or the line in between. And this morning, what I want to be able to do is I want to be able to talk with you about finding lost stuff. Anybody in here lose stuff? Like, you just lose stuff. If you're online with us, put in the chat, what is the thing that you lose the most? Is it your car keys? Is it your wallet? Is it your children? Uh, What is it that you lose the most? (laughs) I hear somebody saying mind. Okay. Lose your mind. Well, here's the thing, right? So, for me, I lose stuff in the fridge. Like, and I'm not... I'm not talking about losing my keys or something like that in the fridge. I mean, like, food. I will lose food in the fridge. Doesn't even matter if I'm the one that put it in there. I'm, it's going to be, as soon as it goes in, it's gone forever. Right? And so normally the way that it works out is, like, I'm standing at the fridge. Like, we've had maybe chicken or something the night before. And I'm looking for some food. And so I yell out to my wife, Anna, you, you seen the chicken from last night? And already annoyed, she will answer, on the top shelf. So I look again. No, it's not. And then she comes walking in and she removes my hand from the handle of the fridge and pushes me out of the way. And immediately, like, she doesn't even look behind anything. It's directly in front of me. She pulls it out and hands it to me and then gives me the look. <laughs> and at that point, you don't have anything good to say, right? Like, you have no good excuse at that point. The only thing I can say is, I didn't think it was going to be in that container. <laughs> I don't know what happens. Like, it goes into the fridge, and I try to explain to her, like, because she gets mad at me and says that I don't look for things well enough. Like, well, you didn't, you, you didn't even look, Brantley. And I'm like, oh, I did. You don't understand. There's a force field in front of this fridge. And if it goes through that force field, I can't see it. Like, it's gone. Right? And, and like, it doesn't matter that I know that whatever it is that I'm looking for is in there. Right? And, and people around me know that what I'm looking for is in there. Like, they will even tell me what you are looking for is in that fridge, I promise, right? It doesn't matter. I, I, like, I'm, it's gone forever. And, you know, so for us, like, whenever it comes to, to dealing with fear in life, faith will be the thing that's lost, all right? And, and so what, I, I don't know exactly how it happens except that whenever all of a sudden fear shows up in our lives, now all of a sudden faith seems to be gone in that moment. And we don't like that, right? We, we don't like that our faith is gone because we're Christ followers. We've been doing this for a little while, right? And everybody, like we know that we should have faith in a moment, we know we should have faith. We know the faith is somewhere to be found. And, and you got all these people around you that are like, just have faith. Where's your faith? Isn't that obnoxious? It's your faith. And you're looking at these people going, you don't understand. You don't understand what I'm going through right now. 
Like, I know the faith is there, but I just can't seem to find it right now. I can't find it. It's there. I know it is. You don't have to tell me to have faith. I know what I'm supposed to do as a Christ follower. I know that I'm not supposed to be afraid. I know that I'm not supposed to doubt what's going to happen, but I do. And here's the thing, right? People have a lot of different things that, that we're afraid of. Fear can creep in in a lot of different ways. And, you know, for, for some people in here, fear has crept in because you lost a loved one. And as a result, you also lost your faith. Or maybe you're in the process of losing someone right now. Maybe fear for you looks like a virus. Can I tell you that fear also for some others looks like a vaccine? For some people, you fear losing your child to the, the influences, the evil influences of the world. For good reason. While others have lost faith that their marriage could actually be restored because, well, it's been bad for so long. And honestly, we're living more like roommates that can't wait for the other roommate to move out. Maybe that's the fear that you live in. And as a result, you have good reason, but you've lost faith. So many times, like, we, we will get ourselves in these situations where it's, it's hard to find our faith, even though we know we're supposed to have it. We know that it was there, and people around us are telling us, just have faith, you know, just find your faith. Where'd your faith go? And unfortunately, a lot of times, the, the victim of our situation tends to be God, we tend, to, we tend to indulge the fear and lose the faith and as a result also lose relationship with God and say, well, God doesn't do miraculous stuff, right? Because I've prayed for things a lot and God hasn't come through. I've prayed for people to be healed and it hasn't happened. I've prayed for finances in the midst of me losing my job and, and I'm still broke. And uh, uh, in fact, I just had the water cut off yesterday or, or I, I prayed for my marriage and nothing got fixed, right? And so God must not care and he must not do anything for us supernaturally either. This morning, what I want to be able to do is help us find the faith that's been lost. Because there is a way to find it. There is a way to find it. And, you know, sometimes, though, like as, as human beings, we like to make things bigger and more complicated than what they need to be, you know. We, we do that, don't we, as humans, right? My, my son Gabriel is a perfect example of this. My oldest, he's 11 years old. He likes to make things complicated, like, I swear one day he's going to be some brilliant inventor. Um, but in the meantime, these are the stories that I get. So we, uh, as a family, with our extended family, we decided to have a cornhole tournament. And I'm thinking, hey, I'd do a little woodworking. It'd be fun to make a, a cornhole trophy that we pass between the different families, you know, for whoever wins whenever we're around each other. Now, keep in mind, I'm thinking about a rectangle with a hole in it, spray painted. That's my idea of a good trophy. I'm not hard to please, right? So that's what I'm thinking. And, and I'm thinking, you know what, Gabriel, you're old enough to play with things that hurt you. So you want to help me build this? And he's like, oh, yeah. And I've got some ideas. I was like, oh, no. 
And so I'm like, all right, buddy, well, what are your ideas? And he's like, okay, here's what I'm thinking. What if we have a guy that we carve and he's standing like this, right? Like he just threw the beanbag and then somehow we affix the beanbag in the air. And I'm like, buddy, do you know how to carve? And he said, no. And I said, I don't either. That's not happening. Like, dude, I was thinking about a rectangle with a hole in it. You come out here with, you want to carve a dude with a beanbag in the air. Like, like that's my son's brain. That's what he wants. <laughs> we like to make things bigger and more complicated than what they need to be sometimes. Sometimes we like to make things, especially in the spiritual world, we like to make things out to where it has to be a big deal whenever the healing comes. It has to be a big deal whenever the miracle comes. It has to be a big deal whenever restoration comes. I'm reminded of, can we go to 2 Kings chapter 6, maybe? 5, I was close. All right, and, and so we got Naaman. He's the captain of an Aramean army, and he's a really wealthy, high-powered kind of dude, um, and, and he has leprosy. And, and he's looking for the cure for his leprosy, the skin disease. And uh, so he hears about a man, uh, Elisha, who is a prophet of God. And he's like, ah, okay, yeah, this makes sense. Let's go to the prophet of God, God of Israel, all-powerful, supernatural kind of God. He's going to make this thing happen. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the doorway of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you'll be clean. But Naaman was furious and went away and he said, behold, I thought he will certainly come out to me and stand and call on the name of, his, of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the site and cure the leprosy. Isn't that what we do? As, as Christians, that's what we would like to have happen. I don't think there's anybody in here who would be like, you know what, if, if somebody could stand over me like, and, 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 and I'm missing a limb and like that limb could regrow, like nobody would turn that down, right? Can we all agree that'd be really cool to see? Like if God wanted to do a supernatural miracle like, and that was something that he wanted to do or somebody whose eyes were blind like from birth and like you could see them fogged over and now all of a sudden like God speaks through somebody and we pray and now all of a sudden in the middle of a church service they can miraculously see. Like we hear stories about that happening overseas and we hear stories about uh, those kinds of things happening around us but it's like man but I've never seen anything quite like that. It would be awesome to see that and you know what I'm dealing with some stuff can't you just come and wave your arms over me and pray and, and I'm, I'm going to worship and, and it's going to be this incredible moment where all of a sudden this miracle happens and, and, and like stuff starts happening around me and I have this experience and, and, and it doesn't happen like but God I thought that it was going to be like that like you do miracles right Verse 12, are Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, not better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Then his servants approached and spoke to him, saying, My father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? Well, how much more than when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down dipped himself in the Jordan seven times in accordance with the word of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Mm. Sometimes spiritually 
It's simpler than what we want to make it. And can I tell you, that doesn't always sit well with us because simple doesn't always mean easy. Do you all understand that? Simple does not mean easy, especially whenever we're dealing with fear over faith. Right, everybody's got these shirts now that say faith over fear. Right? There's a reason for that. The reason is because is we're trying to convince ourselves of that. And that's not a bad thing, right? That's a good thing. We need to convince ourselves sometimes. Right, but what we have to be willing to do is actually sometimes it's not just pray. Now, here's what I'm saying, though. Like, I don't want you to walk away from here saying, I think pastor told me I don't need to pray no more. Like, that's, that's, that's not what I'm saying, okay? <laughs> but what I am saying is, is that sometimes I think it's a little bit more involved. It's a little bit more involved because we have to understand that here on this earth, like, everything is spiritual, Everything is spiritual that we do. See, we've been entrusted to rule and reign on this earth, right? Whenever God created the heavens and the earth and everything that was inside of them, he said, look, I've made this earth, I've made this place for you guys to to inhabit and dwell, but but here's the thing. I'm going to be the CEO, and I'm going to need y'all to be my COOs. I'm going to need y'all to run operations down here. And guess what? Now, unfortunately, y'all have welcomed sin and darkness and tragedy into the world. So y'all are also going to have to work to rule and reign over that as well. And what I think is, uh, uh, I think it's the most brilliant passage whenever it comes to dealing with faith issues, whenever fear is present. It's in Genesis chapter 26. See, Abraham was, uh, he was a guy back in way ancient times, and he dug a bunch of wells in this territory of the Philistines. And, and, and he took up residence here. He was given this space, and so he dug wells to provide for his family. And over the course of time, the Philistines had come, and they had filled those wells back in. And so Isaac, his son, comes along one day, and now Isaac has a family of his own. Abraham is gone. These wells have been filled in. And and here's what's interesting. It says, then Isaac dug again. Everybody say, again. Again. Has anybody dug anything, like especially in Georgia? That's terrible. It's terrible. I was talking to somebody just a few minutes ago about digging post holes. Like, it's not fun. It is not fun at all digging, right? It's hard work. He dug again. Can you imagine, like, spending all of the time digging wells? Like, you have to go so deep and so wide to make a well. And he digs it one time already, and now he has to dig it again because somebody came along and filled it up, right? He dug again the wells of water, which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham, For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham, and he gave them the same names which his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there was a well of flowing water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with the herdsmen of Isaac, saying, The water is ours. So he named the well Esek, or contention, because they argued with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over it too. So he named it Sitna, which means enmity. Then he moved away from there and dug another well. And they did not quarrel over it, so he named it Rehoboth. For he said, at last, the Lord has made room for us, and we will be fruitful in the land. And he went up from there to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear. Fear. 
for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. So here's what happens. Whenever fear enters into our life, it's like the Philistines that fill in this well. So we have, we have territory that is our own. We have space that is our own, whether that's mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. We have space that is our own. And in every space, in every territory, we should be willing to dig wells of faith because the faith is there. We just have to be willing to dig for it. And fear, no matter what it is, no matter what kind of fear it is, its goal is to fill in those wells so that what, so, what was sustaining you and providing for you spiritually can no longer be accessed. Can I tell you that, that there is an enemy of our hearts, there is an enemy in this world that we call Satan, and he does not care what you fear as long as you fear something. See, I, there's a lot of crazy misconceptions out in the world right now. There's a lot of political misconceptions out in the world that we like to link to Christianity. Uh, but can I tell you that whether you fear a virus or whether you fear a vaccine, the enemy wins in both cases. See, the enemy does not care what you fear as long as you fear it, whatever it is. The enemy does not care if you fear the loss of a relationship. He does not care if you fear loss of finances or a loss of a child. He does not care what you fear as long as you fear. Because with every little bit of fear that you introduce into your life and that you entertain, that is another well that is getting stopped up where you cannot access your faith anymore. It doesn't matter, y'all. As long as you fear, the enemy wins. And that's a rough truth, right? Because can I just tell you there's nobody in here that has not experienced fear in some capacity? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that every single person in here and online, by the way, has experienced fear in some capacity this week. And some people in this room and some people online have actually spread fear. Do, do you realize that whenever you start spreading conspiracy theories, whenever you start spreading gossip, you're actually spreading fear? You are stopping up somebody else's well of faith, and you're working with the enemy. That's rough. I'm guilty of it. I've done it before. But it puts it in different perspective whenever you start saying, I'm, 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 I'm working with the enemy to stop up somebody else's well of faith. It puts it in a different light. And see, that's what, this is not a political sermon, but this is what I hate about politics in America. Politics in America are built on gossip. They are not built on solutions. You know that America would actually change if people were willing to pick up a broom and sweep something? P the, 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 the politics in America would actually change if people would be willing to, to go and, and help the poor themselves instead of paying somebody else to do it for them. Stuff changes whenever you pick up the, the, the shovel and start digging. Whenever you pick up the shovel for somebody else who's in, a, who's in a bad place where they find the wells of faith completely clogged in their life, and you say, I see that you are lacking faith right now, and I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to provide more fear for you, but instead what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick up a shovel, and I'm going to help you dig faith back in your life. 
Boy, some stuff would start changing if we pick up some shovels. And that's, that's where it's simple, but it's not easy. I can't tell you that it's easy, especially whenever you're faced with the fear yourself. Right? It's really easy. Have we ever noticed it's really easy to give advice to everybody else but not ourselves in the moment that we need it the most? It's like, I know what I would say to somebody else. Right? You know, I, I, and, and, and it becomes easy for us to, to get on to each other whenever somebody else is experiencing fear. Right? As Christians, can we stop saying just have faith? Like, just have faith. That doesn't work. Can we start encouraging people a different kind of way? Can we start being intentional with our words? And this is a, this is a good piece of advice for you. Like what, what I love about Isaac and what he did was he started naming all of the wells that he built or that he dug. Right? He, start, he started being intentional with the words that he spoke. And, and I know that some people can find this like kooky advice that you should be careful with the words that you speak. But can I tell you also that it's only weird until it works? And, and you start to see it for yourself, that, man, all, I changed the words that I was speaking over my life. Can I tell you that one of the worst things that you can say when you're in the middle of fear is, I am afraid. You are taking on that identity of fear. You don't need to say, I am afraid. And I know, like, like I said, it's only weird until it works. But if you start saying, you know what, I, I feel like I'm experiencing fear. It's, it's different. It's different than adopting it as a part of who you are, right? And, and, and we have to ask ourselves, though, right, because if, if, if we're willing to, to buy into the weirdness a little bit, the, then we've got to be willing to ask the question, though. Like, is it worth digging for? Is God worth digging for? Is my faith worth digging for? Because if we don't actually believe that God is good, then we shouldn't bother digging, we shouldn't, be, we shouldn't bother looking for faith because ultimately, what is your faith in if you don't believe that God is actually good? So you have to be willing to believe that God is good and that he actually does care. And so even whenever you feel like, I don't have the faith to pray for a miracle anymore because I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I haven't seen anything happen, like in that moment, I'm, st I'm still feeling afraid and, and I don't know what else to do. So you start to speak things over your life, like, like that God does have a future and a hope for you, like that God does work out all things for the good of those who love him, right? You start speaking some of these, these things out, that, that God does care about me, that God loves me, I've been adopted into his family, I am a son or a daughter of the king, and as a result, fear cannot define me. You start speaking some of that. And as you're speaking, what you're doing is you're digging. As you're speaking and you're conscious of the words that you choose, you start digging new wells. And there are going to be times where, where you finally find that water, just like Isaac. You find that water, and you feel, you feel like, oh, yes, here's my faith. I found it again. I found it again, right? And in that moment, whenever you have that provision of faith that you find again, you rise up in it. And you pray those hard, miraculous prayers. You, you pray as a son or a daughter of the king that has a right to an inheritance of abundance, the, the abundant life that God has called us to be able to have. You pray in faith. And sometimes, unfortunately, the Philistines come along and they take that well from you. 
So what do we do? We go back and we grab another shovel and we start digging again. And for some people in this room, that's really hard, right? It's really hard because you're dealing with some really scary stuff. And, and I've experienced this myself. I've experienced, I've experienced fear. I've experienced the wells of my life, the, the wellspring of faith of my life. I've experienced it getting filled up numerous times. A couple of years ago, my wife was diagnosed with cancer. You want to talk about fear? Sometimes having your well filled up with the thoughts that your wife is going to die, that, that'll, that'll squelch some faith. And so in those moments, we'd have to go back to digging and being very careful with the words that we spoke. Say, God, I believe that you're a good God. I believe that you care about my wife. I believe that you care about my family. God, just help me dig. Just help me dig. God, I'm going to keep digging. And we would turn on worship music. And worship music can be some of the, de- the, the best shovels that you use, right? Throughout the week, you're experiencing fear. One of the things that I would encourage you to do is turn off whatever you're listening to. Turn off the news because Lord knows you don't need that right now. You need some worship music in your life. You need people around you who are going to speak words of confidence, words of wisdom into your life, words of deliverance into your life, words of hope into your life. You need some people that are willing to say, I thought about you and this verse came to mind. I want to give it to you because these are words of promise from the God that we serve. These are words from Jesus, from the Holy Spirit that we serve. And these words are of promise. These words are of deliverance. These words are of miracles. These words are of hope, and you need that right now. And I'm not going to tell you to find faith, but I'm going to grab a shovel, and I'm going to help you find it. Together, we will get through this. We are going to make it because we serve a good God who really cares about you, and I know that your well has been filled up. I know that the second well has been filled up, and the third well has been filled up, but I'm going to keep a shovel in my hand, and I'm going to be here right here with you until we make it through this because my God is miraculous. My God is super supernatural, then he will come through. And it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. So it doesn't matter what you fear. It doesn't matter what kind of wells have been filled up in your life of faith. I'm sorry that you've had to dig the same well four and five and six times. I know, I know it stinks to have to do that over and over and over again. I know it's been a hard five or six years now. I know it's been a, a hard season for you. I, I, I'm not going to tell you to find your faith. I'm going to say it's going to be okay. Let these words this morning be a shovel in your life to help you redig some wells. I just want to encourage you for a minute. I just want to encourage you that the wells of faith are there for you. They're there, and I'm sorry that you've had to dig so long, but you keep digging. You keep digging, and eventually you're going to find the well that the miracle shows up in, and the Lord meets you in that Space. Don't give up digging. 
don't give up digging. I know it's not easy, but the Lord is going to show up. I just got a text message in between services, and I want to I read you this story of hope. It's, it's from my Aunt Kathy. Uh, she has a friend um, who had cancer. I say had. Back in July, I asked for prayers for a friend of mine whose husband had stage four lung cancer. She texted me this morning. They did a scan on Wednesday, and the cancer cannot be found. Mm. They're going to continue with the remaining treatments, but there is no evidence of cancer now. He's had cancer for probably at least two years. Now to be cancer-free, it's a miracle from God. You have something in your life that you've been praying for for two years and you're about ready to give up on? Afraid that God's not actually going to come through for you? I just want to encourage you. This guy was cancer, lung cancer, for two years. Stage four lung cancer still as of two months ago. And now it's gone. I can't tell you which, which well it's going to be, which time it's going to be. I can't tell you that. I wish I could. Sometimes, sometimes in, in, in our spiritual lives, it's, it's just not that easy to figure that out. So all I can tell you is while we're here on this earth, we've got to keep digging. We've got to keep digging. And you need friends in your life who are willing to pick up a shovel with you. I pray that you find that here or wherever it is that you attend church. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much, Lord. God, I thank you for being a wellspring of faith, Lord, that's just risen up in somebody in here, maybe a few people. God, I thank you for a word of hope, a word of encouragement, God. Lord, I pray that I pray that at that wellspring, God, that you would show them signs of the miracle that's going to happen, God. God, because we believe you are a supernatural, miraculous, all-powerful God who created everything and nothing can stand in your way, God. Absolutely nothing can stand in your way, God. Lord, help us to dig the wells that you've called us to dig. Lord, for those who may have lost faith, God, Help them to pick up the shovel one more time and remind them of the wellspring that is in their territory, God. Give us faith this morning beyond measure. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.